We're ready, Mayor. Welcome everyone to the May 11th, 2021 City Commission meeting. Before we get going, we'll have Porter O'Neill, our Communications Director, say a few words about the meeting. Thank you, Mayor. Good evening, everyone. I just want to share some housekeeping items for this virtual meeting. This meeting is being broadcast and recorded on the City of Lawrence YouTube channel and channel, uh, public access cha cable channel 25. The public chat function is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. When you are not participating in the meeting, please mute your microphone. When you are participating in the meeting, please keep your video on. When you are not participating in the meeting, please turn your video off. You will still be able to hear the meeting. You can turn your video back on when you are participating. Turning your video off when you are not participating allows the active meeting participants to be seen on the screen. If you have any trouble, please feel free to send me a chat. The city reserves the right to mute microphones and or turn off people's video to minimize distractions. Please remember to state your name every time you speak for the benefit of those listening remotely. And now I'll return the meeting to Mayor Finkeldye. Mayor Finkeldye, thank you, Porter. I'll go ahead and take roll call. Vice Mayor Shipley? Here. Commissioner Nanda? Here. Commissioner Lawson? Here. Commissioner Bully? Here. Mayor Finkeldye present. And again, before we move to the agenda, we'll have Sherry Wiedemann, our city clerk, provide some um, information about how the meeting will proceed. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I'm just gonna provide a few procedural reminders for the virtual meeting. Commissioners, please remember to state your name and title each time you speak. Mayor, after a motion is made and seconded, please call on commissioners individually to provide their vote then announce whether the motion carried and the count of the vote. City staff, please remember to state your name and title each time you speak. When the mayor calls for public comment on an item, individuals participating via Zoom should use the raise hand function to indicate they wish to speak. The raise hand function may appear in different places on your Zoom menu, depending on the device you are using and which version of Zoom you have. Individuals will be called upon by name in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. When you are called on, please unmute and state your name and comments will be limited to three minutes. When the mayor calls for in-person public comment, individuals should raise their hand to indicate they wish to speak. Staff present will direct you to the podium to speak following social distancing and safety protocols. Please state your name before speaking and comments will be limited to three minutes. Thank you. Mayor Finkelai, thank you, Sherry. Before we move to the agenda, I just wanted to take a second. Um, today, we, we lost a, a, a member of our community who came a lot to city commission meetings. Well, certainly before COVID she did. Melinda Henderson um, passed away. And if anyone um, is a frequent watcher, of this of the city commission you have seen melinda um here stating her mind and giving her opinions and representing her community including the brook, brook creek community um in a lively way and uh she'll be missed and so i just wanted to um give a quick acknowledgement to her um it's it's a sad day 
Um, but we'll go ahead and move to the agenda. The City Commission reserves the right to amend, supplement, or reorder the agenda during the meeting. Does any commission wish to reorder the agenda, or I look for a motion? Mr. Ananda, I move to approve the agenda. Commissioner Larson, second. Mayor Finkelai, there's a motion by Commissioner Ananda, a second by Commissioner Lawson. Commissioner Ananda? Aye. Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Aye. Commissioner Bully? Aye. Mayor Finkelai, aye. Passes. Passes five to zero. Um, we're now moving on to the proclamations. The first proclamation this week is to proclaim the month of May 2021 as Community Action Month. And I believe Kristen Walker is here to say a few words before I read the proclamation. I will say a few words before the proclamation. I just want to oh. thank you very much for recognizing our agency. And um, I just want to thank you for reading the proclamation and support of our services. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, Lily. Okay, I'll go ahead and read the proclamation. Whereas community action agencies were created when the Economic Opportunity Act of 1964 was signed into law. And whereas the East Central Kansas Economic Opportunity Corporation, ECAN, was established in 1966. And whereas ECAN has a 50 plus year history of promoting self-sufficiency for the limited income. And whereas ECAN has made essential contributions to individuals and families in Douglas County by providing them with innovative and cost-effective programs such as back-to-school supplies, Christmas Bureau, utility and rent assistance, early head start, dental vouchers, and food pantry. Whereas community action agencies are needed as major participants in reform of the welfare system as we know it, and whereas individuals and families on limited income continue to need opportunities to improve their lives and their living conditions, thus ensuring that all citizens are able to live in dignity, whereas the poverty rate in Douglas County is 20.7%, whereas Kansas and the entire United States must continue to wage war on poverty by providing support and opportunities for all citizens in need of assistance, whereas Douglas County and ECAN have worked together to meet the needs of the most, our most vulnerable citizens, now, therefore, I, Brad Finkelai, Mayor of the City of Lawrence, do hereby proclaim the month of May 2021 as Community Action Month in Douglas County in recognition of the hard work and dedication of Kansas Community Action Agencies. Thank you very much. And I know ECAN is a great organization that when I was at Ballard, we worked with ECAN a lot and a member of the Emergency Services Council. So thanks for all um, ECAN does and um, all the support it gives. The second um, proclamation is um, to proclaim May 13th, 2021 as Fallen Daffa Day. I do not believe we have anyone to present on that, so I'll just read the proclamation quickly. Get over to it. Whereas May 13th, 2021 marks the 22nd World Fallen Daffa Day, and the 29th anniversary of Fallen Dolphins' public introduction, 
And whereas Falun Dafa is a traditional self-cultivation Gijong practice of mind, body, and spirit first introduced to the public by its founder in 1992. And whereas Falun Dafa teaches the universal principles of truthfulness, compassion, and forbearance, combining the practice of meditation and exercises brings people improved health and a greater sense of peace and purpose. And whereas over 100 million people in over 114 countries worldwide currently practice Falun Dafa, improving themselves internally, having a tremendous positive impact on their environments and the local community. And whereas Falun Dafa exercise instructions and practice sites are free and open to the public, practitioners across Kansas dedicate their time to help others learn the exercises and practice together and participate in various local events and cultural programs. And whereas World Falun Dafa Day honors the founder of the practice and recognizes the Falun Dafa's practitioners peacefully a courageous protest against the Chinese communist regime. Now, therefore, I, Brad Finkel, I, Mayor of the City of Lawrence, do proclaim May 13th, 2021 as Falun Dafa Day in Lawrence, Kansas. Okay, we are now ready to move to the consent agenda. All matters on the consent agenda are considered under one motion and will be approved by one motion. There'll be no separate discussion on these items. If discussion is desired, that item will be removed from the consent agenda and will be considered separately. Members of the public wishing to speak to an item that has been pulled off the consent agenda will be limited to three minutes for comments. Do any commissioners have an item they'd like to pull off the consent agenda? If any member of the public would like to pull a matter off the consent agenda, please raise your hand using the raise your hand feature. Or if you're present, um, let Sherry know and she will call upon you. Sherry Reedeman, City Clerk. Mayor, no one has indicated on Zoom that they would like to have an item pulled in there. We Currently, there is nobody in the commission room other than staff. Mayor Fingla, thank you, Sherry. I look for a motion to approve consent agenda then. This is Commissioner Larson. I move to approve the consent agenda. Sherry, nope. go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, Vice Mayor. Go ahead. Uh, Vice Mayor Shipley, I second. Mayor Finkeldike, uh, there's a motion by Commissioner Lawson, a second by Vice Mayor Shipley. Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Aye. Commissioner Ananda? Aye. Commissioner Bully? Aye. Mayor Finkeldike, aye. Passes five to zero. We'll now move uh, to public comment. The public is allowed to speak on items or issues that are not scheduled for discussion on the agenda. As a general practice, the commission will not discuss or debate these items nor will the commission make decisions and items presented during this time. Individuals should address all comments and questions to the commission. Each person will be limited to three minutes. If you wish to make general public comment about something not on the agenda, please raise your hand using the raise your hand feature and let Sherry know and she will call upon you. Chris Berger. Hi, good evening. I uh, wanted to bring something up from uh, the meeting that took place last week. Commissioner Larson had some questions with regard to uh, the right-of-way statutes or ordinances, and that's something that's been coming up locally for me as well. The 
Um, 16901's Article 9 was passed a couple of years ago with the concept that it would be addressing public utilities in the right-of-way, but the language that was chosen is such that it has made it so that um, private property owners, uh, the city's taken a position that private property owners cannot use the right-of-way without the city's permission. And, and that's specifically by the definitions that were used and, and not by exaggeration, but by the language that was chosen facilities include anything that's deemed more permanent than temporary and expressly talks about landscaping like plants. It also makes reference to if you don't get an agreement with the city, then the city can charge those private property owners a minimum of $2,000 for every day that they're in violation and no more than $2,500. This is... Um, you know, a, a terrible sort of leverage to hold over private property owners. Uh, and it has a serious impact also on businesses that uh, are, are uh, that work within that right of way. I'm asking that the city might take a look at specifically the definition of 16-903 um, that prohibits any person from putting anything within the public right of way without having an agreement with the city. Um, frankly, I think there's a, a serious concern also that by the city stating that an owner cannot use their own property without city permission, that that constitutes a total taking of that portion of the private property owner as well, uh, which is um, a compensable act. So thank you. Uh, if you please consider that, it'd be much appreciated. Thanks. Chris Flowers. Hi, um, this is Chris Flowers. And I don't know if y'all um, saw the paper, but there's an article, I guess, about what's going on in Kansas legislator that um, they're going to, I guess pass something where they're gonna make like um, set us. They're gonna make sit municipalities set aside some of the money they're receiving from the federal government to give to businesses that have been affected by like COVID mandates. And I don't like this at all. And I'm just wondering if anything that they're doing goes against home rule. And if we could potentially like make a statement or threaten to sue them, because it sounds kind of BS that they can make us set aside 35% of money that the federal government gives us. And then they decide where the goes to it doesn't this isn't good for Lawrence at all and also it's it's gives me the impression that they're saying that what we did was wrong like the mandates that the cities did like putting hours of limit like limiting hours that businesses could be open yet we are like liquor stores they already have the states put hours 
of like limited their hours of operations and communities have put um, limits on adult bookstores or strip clubs before and they never got reimbursed for it. So I'm just wondering if there's anything that the state is doing that's going against the home rule clause of the Kansas constitution that we as a city can do anything about. So it's, it's just something I would hope you all look into because it's gonna affect some of our funds. Thank you. Frank Mayo. There we go. Uh, my name is Frank Mayo and I'm with Lawrence Landscape. Uh, it was, this also speaks to the issue that uh, Chris Berger brought up. Um, it was recently brought to our attention uh, by Enrico E.L. Hayes, I believe, uh, product, uh, program administrator with the City of Lawrence MSO, that to install irrigation systems and a host of other activities, we and all green industry professionals are required to obtain a $50 class three right of way permit application. To obtain this permit, we're required to have the street address of the property, the legal description of the property, for example, lot one in Stone Meadows Square, a replat of lots one, two, and part of lot three, block A of the Lawrence Heights subdivision in the city of Lawrence, Douglas County, Kansas. We we'll also need to know what the legal owner of the property is. In this case, it was 600 Lawrence LLC, a Kansas limited liability company. Then a required, uh, next thing that is required is a notarized signature of the owner and the executed hard copy is to be dropped off at City Hall. The only information we as contractors have is our customer's name and street address. Uh, this realistically won't be completed by most property owners. And uh, although we're obligated to pay for and obtain the class three right of way permit, we have no enforcement capabilities. And in essence, we have no hammer to force the customer to comply with the city regulations. According to Enrico, the reason this ordinance is now being enforced is that the city of Lawrence in a recent year, while doing curb replacements and other projects in the city right away, spent close to a million dollars in irrigation repairs that they were not legally liable for. Up until 10 plus years ago, the city did not pay for these irrigation repairs. This new permit is an attempt to reinstate that policy by having this new agreement attached to the property deed. It would seem to me that a simpler streamlined system would have the city send letters to the property owners affected by a public works project like curb replacements, sidewalk replacement or installation, uh, stating that the property owner is responsible for their own repairs to the irrigation system that is in the city right of way. Uh, it seems to me it would save a lot of time and effort and not clouding uh, people's titles. Uh, we aren't a title company as contractors. And it, uh, I, I understand the unres end result that uh, uh, the city's trying to achieve and I agree with it. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. It's just the process that we have to go through and uh, Mayor. Am I, am I up? You're up, Frank. All right, thanks. Thank you. Is
Is there anyone else on Zoom who would like to make general public comment? That's all the comment, Mayor. Mayor Figalai, thank you for that public comment. We will now move to the um, regular agenda. We are, regular agenda item number one is to consider the final development plan for the Colonial Northeast phase number three. Kyle, do you have this one? I do, thank you very much, Mayor. Kyle Kobe with planning. Uh, the item before you tonight is an application proposing a modification to the existing final development plan for Colonial Northeast Phase 3, which is generally located southwest of the intersection of West 6th Street and Wakarusa Drive. The project proposes the addition of a 556 square foot drive through kiosk for Scooter's Coffee. The structure would be accompanied by a drive through lane on the east side of the structure. The location of the proposed development is within the existing parking lot on the east side. Two of the existing landscape islands would be relocated and a third would be incorporated into the proposed development. The existing approved plans for this property state that 164 vehicle parking spaces are required. Proposed use requires two vehicle parking spaces, which would bring the total required to 166. The existing plans show 264 vehicle parking spaces are available. And if the project, uh, the, pro the proposed project would alter that amount to 249, uh, vehicle parking spaces, which is a reduction in parking, but still meets the requirements. The utility easement is proposed on the south side of the subject property, which would be dedicated via separate instrument prior to building permit approval. The applicant also requests that the requirement to provide two short-term and two long-term bicycle parking spaces be reduced to zero for both. Given the operational characteristics of the proposed development, which is that it will operate as a drive-through only with no walk-up service or on-site consumption, and its size, staff is recommending approval of the bicycle parking reduction. Project was determined to be a major change from the existing development plans for this property. Final development plans constituting a major change cannot be re reviewed and uh, sorry, cannot be reviewed and approved administratively. As outlined in the staff report, city commission may approve modifications to final development plans, which constitute major changes. Such approval requires an affirmative vote by a majority of the city commission following public hearing and a finding that the modification complies with section 20-1304 F3 of the land development code. Section 20-1304 F3 contains two conditions which must be met in order for the city commission to approve modifications to final development plans. These are included in the staff report as a review and decision-making criteria. Staff has found that the proposed project meets both of these conditions. Staff has reviewed the proposed final development plan modification and has concluded that the project meets all applicable code requirements subject to approval of the reduction to required bicycle parking and is in conformance with plan 2040 and the area plan for the intersection of West 6th Street and Wakarusa Drive. Staff recommends the City Commission approve FDP 20-00428 modification of Colonial Northeast Phase 3 based upon the findings of fact and modifications presented in the staff report. With that, I'd be happy to answer any questions you may have. And I believe I have seen that the applicant is here with us tonight as well. Mayor Finkel, I thank you, Kyle. Any commissioners have questions for Kyle before we have the applicant speak? Um, go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
Um, this is Commissioner Larson. Did I hear you correctly that this is just going to be a drive-through and no inside dining or coffee at all? Is that correct, Kyle? How Toby was planning that is correct. It would just be a drive-through kiosk. Um, there, uh, there's no outdoor seating area that's being proposed, um, nor is there any walk-up service that is being proposed. Thank you, Kyle. Vice Mayor Shipley, um, um, I, I see what the applicant's um, uh, statement is about um, removing the bicycle um, amenity, but can you explain what's so onerous about that space versus a regular parking space? Kyle, Kobe was planning on, uh, if I understood the question correctly, I, I believe that um, that might be something that the applicant might be uh, more equipped to answer. Um, so I'll let them touch on that. Um, they provided a letter that sort of summarizes their thoughts on that. Um, so I, I think I might let them uh, take over that. I can jump in later on if need be. Yes, I'm Justin Gabronson. I represent the applicant Collaborative Ventures. Um, and as far as the bicycle parking, we just felt that with the location of the uh, drive-through in the middle of the parking lot and given the lack of um, in, indoor dining or any other uh, uh, other than the drive-through, we just felt that it would be best to uh, exclude the bicycle parking just for safety of, of and flow of um, pedestrians and the traffic in the parking lot. Mayor Finkel, oh, go ahead, Commissioner Ananda. This is Commissioner Ananda. Um, is there other bicycle parking within that lot elsewhere? Kyle Kobe with planning. I, um, if I remember correctly, I don't remember that being a requirement um, when these plans were previously approved. I am not off the top of my head, I can't think of any other bicycle parking that's available there that might not be accurate. There may be some uh, bicycle parking spaces that I am failing to remember, but I believe that is the case. It's Commissioner Bully, I don't know if this helps, but when I was there in that area with my bike, I just parked on the sidewalk on the southwest corner of the, the uh, shopping area. Mayor Finkel, um, we got, Justin, you jumped in there because you answered the question, thank you. But did you want to go ahead and make a presentation at all? No, I just wanted to thank Kyle and his staff for working on the project with our team and, uh, and just wanted to answer any other questions that were, uh, that anyone had. Thank you. Mayor Finkel died. Is, is this going to be, I mean, basically the same size and setup as the one at Ninth and Iowa, the schools at Ninth and Iowa? This is going to be, I'm sorry, this is Justin O'Bronson. This is a 550-foot uh, building, and it's, it's going to be set up um, quite a bit differently. Um, into you've seen the plans and and um we're just going to have a lot more stacking and um like i said it's going to be in the middle of the parking lot it's not going to be right off the street so from that no no i, I understand that part i just meant the, the actual physical building itself is it the same 
Is that the same size? I was trying to picture how big that was in my head. This is Justin Goronson again. The uh, kiosk will be uh, larger than the current store. Okay. Um, well, and I appreciate it. I live close to Ninth and Iowa and additional stacking um, will be good because you guys are quite popular at Ninth and Iowa. <laughs> Very popular, which is good. Um, any questions? We'll open it to public comment. Vice Mayor Shibley, I might do one more. This one's easy since you asked about the stacking. Um, looking at the diagram, I was kind of trying to envision which direction the flow of traffic would go. It doesn't matter for uh, decision-making purposes, but I might want to go there sometime. So I was trying to imagine which direction you were wanting uh, traffic to come in and go out of um, based on your diagram. Yes, this is Justin Bronson again. Um, well, the nice thing is the way the building is positioned and the drive-through is positioned is it it really um, gives a lot of options in terms of how that that site is accessed, uh, whether it's from uh, the east or west. So, um, yeah, I think that um, because of the layout, we have a lot of different options there. This is Jake Burnett from Scooter's Coffee. And just to touch touch on that a little bit more, uh, we do anticipate majority of the traffic um, flowing east <clears throat> on 6, taking a ride in, ride out there, um, going through the drive-through lane and exiting back out to ride in, ride out. But as uh, Justin was alluding to, uh, traffic can also come in off of Wakarusa, off that entrance, and then flow back out as well. Mayor Fingal, go ahead and open it up to public comment before we bring it back to the commission. This is a public hearing item. If anyone from the public would like to speak on this item, please raise your hand using the raise your hand feature and Sherry will call upon you. Chris Flowers. Hi, this is Chris Flowers. Um, you all were talking about like the the not requiring the bicycle parking, but I was just wondering um, what I, I'm okay with that, by the way, because it doesn't, it doesn't seem like there needs to be much bicycle parking if it's just drive through. But what about employees who bike there? Um, will there be a place and in, like inside the store for their bikes or something? Just like, what, what do they expect the people who bicycle there where to put their bikes? That's just a question I would ask. Thank you. Hi, this is Justin McBronson again. Um, yes, the employees, there would be limited space inside the building for parking their bike, um, but it would be very limited. Thank you, Justin. This is Sherry Reedman, City Clerk. Is there any, well, anyone else on Zoom that would like to provide comment on this item? Did any of you want to speak on this item? Okay. Uh, that's all the public comment, Mayor. Mayor Finkelai, thank you. And bring it back to the commission for discussion, comments, motions. This is Commissioner Nanda. Um, I think that um, 
Mr. Flowers brought up the point that I was thinking about, which is that employees may want to ride their bikes to that space. I'm not arguing that necessarily it needs to be in here, but it seems um, an opportunity to have a broader discussion for that lot. If, you know, we know it's used by bicyclists because Commissioner Bully has been there on his bike and probably improperly parked in that instance. Um, So providing a safe space for, for a bicyclists to be able to walk there to work or um, even if they're just walking through the drive-thru to get coffee would be seems like a smart move. Mayor this uh, vice mayor Shipley um, what I what I all and I agree that was also the question I had um, but I do want to say that um, I'm glad to see the uh, the sacrifice of a little parking for the use of the space, um, especially in uh, big box areas, there tends to be um, too much parking, which is a waste of space for all kinds of things. So I'm glad to see that. And and if it were on offer, I would rather give up a space, another space, so that there could be bicycle parking. Um, not necessarily because um, it's used now, but because that's really what we want to encourage. And so I, I appreciate that the applicant was worried about the safety of bicycles in this area. Um, indeed, it is an area which was pretty well built with only cars in mind um, and is you know very car centric. But um, what we talk about a lot is how we would like to make things more bicycle friendly and more pedestrian friendly. So I, um, you know, would hate to sacrifice that, what might even seem somewhat symbolic in a way, um, when, you know, two or three years from now, people might be using this space more for bicycles. We There's a lot of um, things to access in this area, and, and I would hope that they would be able to do that and, and be encouraged to do that. Um, so I'm... Um, of course, not the applicant's fault that we're kind of in this transition period where people are trying to think about sustainability and um, trying to encourage people to bicycle and walk more often and build um, neighborhoods and um, nodes that encourage people to walk and bike. Um, so I don't know if any other, I don't know, Mayor, if any other commissioners have any thoughts about that? Mayor Fingold, I. I guess I'm, I mean, I'm certainly supportive of, of course, why we have the requirement, um, but it would seem like if, you know, where you, if you wanted to require, it would not be in, you know, wouldn't it be by the scooters. It would be near this, you know, the strip center and, and some of those businesses. If there's not one there now, and maybe there is, but as far as we know, there's not one now. I mean, for example, they just built the quick trip next to the scooters. The quick trip has bicycle you know, place for someone to bike up to the quick trip, but there's no parking for anybody, let alone any parking um, for bikes on the scooters. Um, and so in the same way, there's, as this being a, a pure drive-through um, facility, I mean, if someone wants to go to Salty Iguana on their bike, they're not going to go out to the scooters and park their bike and walk over. Um, I mean, again, so, I mean, I think it's for this particular project, um, I would waive the bicycle requirement. And by the way, I would um, support what you said, Vice Mayor Shipley. I think I'd like to see more projects in some of these large parking lots um, that seem to have some wasted space. So I appreciate getting some more use out of this space. And 
based upon the popularity of the ninth and Iowa scooters, I think this one will get plenty of business and I look forward to having them. Other thoughts on the overall plan of the bicycle thing in particular? This is Commissioner Larson, and um, I think under these circumstances, I think it's um, wholly appropriate for for them to um, build this without the bicycle um, mm. facilities. But I do agree that obviously we need to make sure that we continue with our commitment to um, uh, trying to make everything as bike friendly as possible. Um, given that there's no um, sit down traffic there, you know it. Just, seems reasonable to me and i will vouch for uh, mayor finkeldy i live at ninth in iowa area or uh, ninth and avalon area and that scooters is crazy busy um during certain parts of the day it is amazing this commissioner bully um i i concur with uh mayor finkeldy and commissioner larson um you know i think this is an important requirement in this case, however, you know, the business is not, you know, going to be essentially serving anything but the car traffic because that's all the window they have. And I, I, you know, as a occasional bike rider, I'm, you know, sad about that. I'll have to go someplace else to get my coffee when, my, when I'm on my bike, but, um, you know, in this situation, I think it's probably appropriate to waive it. And, uh, but to, to say going forward, you know, if you're going to be serving people with a, with a walk-up, if there was a walk-up window, I'd say, yeah, we need a bike. But you no, know, that's not the case for this. Thanks, Mayor Shipley. Um, Mayor, you're really good with that GIS map, um, or unless someone else is. I would feel better if I thought there was any bike parking nearby as um, another commissioner suggested. I, I would be surprised if, well, I mean, it, it is an older area, so I, maybe not. Mayor Fingledye, let me, and Kyle, I don't know if you can check as well. On this the, is Mr. Bully. I didn't find you when I was there with my bike. <laughs> and but I don't think it's fair to make scooters provide bar bike parking for the rest of the shopping center. I mean, that, that just doesn't seem fair to me. So. Thanks, Mayor Shipley. Um, true enough, um, but also other applicants might say it's unfair to waive this requirement to them when they have had to have the requirement, so. Mayor Fingal, I'm just looking quickly at the interactive map and the aerials. I certainly don't see any, but you can't see close to the building. So there might be some that I've missed. Well, I don't, are we ready for a motion? Looks like we've talked about it. Um, this is, um, I'll make a motion. This is Commissioner Larson, and I move to approve FDP-20-00428 modification of the Colonial Northeast Phase 3 based upon the findings of fact and modifications presented in the staff report. Ms. Commissioner Boley, second. Mayor Finkelai, there's a motion by Commissioner Lawson, a second by Commissioner Boley. Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Commissioner Boley? 
Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Nay. Commissioner Ananda? Aye. Mayor Finkeldy? Aye. Passes four to one with Vice Mayor Shipley in the negative. And I'm sure it's not because she doesn't like scooters, but because of the bike. <laughs> Clearing that up for the record. Um, certainly appreciate that. Thank you very much. I look forward to the scooters opening and uh, and having some more service in that area. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kyle. We're, we are now going to move into a work session. Work sessions provide an opportunity for the commission to discuss items in greater detail. The commission shall take no binding action on these items listed on the work session, but may refer items to staff for follow-up. When public com comment is sought, each person will be limited to three minutes. Um, okay. We are ready. Danielle, are you the you starting this? Uh, yes. Good evening, Mayor and Commissioners. Uh, Danielle Bushcutter, Budget and Strategic Initiatives Administrator. Um, I'm going to go ahead quick and share my screen so that we can uh, walk through um, a presentation here this evening. All right, hopefully you all can now um, see the presentation. So um, good evening. Uh, tonight's presentation is really um, to uh, seek some guidance from you all um, for our uh, development of our 2022 budget. So um, we first did a presentation like this last year um, with uh, all of the uncertainties that we had related to COVID. Um, and this was really, really beneficial in terms of kind of guiding the rest of the budget process. Um, and we got some really great guidance from you all um, in that meeting a year ago. Um, and so we wanted to kind of uh, continue that again um, this year as we are developing the 2022 budget um, and really seek some guidance from you all kind of on the front end of that uh, process. Um, so just um, in terms of kind of the structure of the presentation, uh, we're going to go through a little bit of the background and kind of the, the current revenue status that we have for some of our major revenue streams, um, as well as talk about some general assumptions that we're working with at this point in the process for um, revenues in terms of uh, what we're forecasting for 2022. Um, and then, like I said, really uh, towards the end of this presentation, um, hoping to get really good uh, direction and guidance from you all um, in terms of what your expectations are for 2022, as well as talk a little bit about uh, some of the next steps that we have uh, related to the budget. Um, so as you all know, um, last year, um, you all adopted the 2021 budget. Then this was a placeholder uh, budget on August 18th of 2020. Um, so in that budget, it included um, an increase in our assessed valuation of 4.3%, uh, a decrease in sales tax of 5% from the 2020 adopted budget. Um, and like I mentioned, it was uh, a placeholder budget as we were really working through the strategic plan. Um, and we've been bringing forward kind of quarterly budget adjustments to you all um, to kind of right size that a little bit. Um, so there are a couple um, major uh, kind of revenue streams that we're going to be talking about this evening. Um, these are not only our major revenue streams, but we also included some um, revenue streams that have been heavily um, impacted by um, the impacts of COVID. Um, and so we wanted to kind of call attention and, and highlight those as well, um, just so that we could kind of get a, a full picture of, of revenue. 
So we'll start with property tax. Um, this is a relatively stable revenue stream. Um, uh, typically, there are three uh, funds that are impacted by property taxes, the general fund, the debt service fund, as well as the library fund. Um, we do receive property tax in two installments. Uh, so the first installment is in January and the second one is in July. Um, so uh, the last bullet point of each of these next several slides where we're talking about kind of the current status of these property taxes um, is pulling directly from our quarter one um, report that is on the city manager's report tonight. So I won't go into great detail because I don't want to run through the same presentation twice, but um, as it relates to property tax, we are really right in line with um, our um, revised budget. Um, in terms of sales tax, um, this is a more volatile revenue stream. Um, there are several funds that are impacted by this, the general fund, capital improvement reserve, um, the transportation fund, our housing trust fund, and then our TIF and TDD funds. Um, we are seeing um, sales tax. When we talk about sales tax, it's a general category, but when you break that down, uh, there's sales tax and use tax. So sales tax, uh, we have a city and county uh, portion of that. That's about two to 3% lower than our revised budget. Um, whereas the use tax, um, is coming in quite a bit higher than we initially anticipated at about 42 to 54% higher um, than what we um, had uh, indicated in our, in our budget. I will note that while this is a significant increase, um, which is certainly helping to kind of offset the reductions we're seeing on the sales tax side, um, as a proportion, this is much smaller. So kind of uh, less than 15% of uh, total sales tax is really coming from uh, use tax. Um, as it relates to franchise fees, um, these are semi-volatile. Typically, we see swings in our franchise fees um, really dependent upon weather. Um, this really just impacts the general fund um, and the revenues that we receive are based on gross receipts. Um, there is kind of a wide variation, uh, 8 to 20 percent lower than our revised budget, and we have three franchise fees. So um, communications is the one that's 8 percent lower. Uh, we have natural gas, which is currently 11% lower, and then electric, which is 20% lower. Uh, charges for service, we wanted to kind of capture this generally, uh, but each of the, the funds is impacted in a different way, and it's a different charge for service. Um, so I'll kind of run through these at a very, very high level. Um, but in the general fund, really the, the charges for service that we're focused on um, and really watching closely are our uh, recreation fees. Um, so recreation fees are typically pretty cyclical. Uh, they're, you know, really busy season is um, coming up, uh, but that is trending a bit low. Um, so that'll be one of the revenue streams that we really wanna keep an eye on. Um, airport fund is about in line with what we would expect. Um, looking at, um, as is our, is our transportation fund, uh, they're experiencing the same kind of impacts on, um, oh, I'm, excuse me, I'm sorry, public transportation, the charges for service um, are, are relatively in line with what we would expect and, and don't have any uh, major concerns at this point. Um, as it relates to water and wastewater, solid waste and uh, stormwater, these are seeing about a four to 6% uh, reduction um, from our revised budget. And parking is the one that um, at this point, we're really focused on. Um, so as you know, 
We have just implemented a new parking system downtown uh, and that really went live um, just a couple weeks ago. And so we don't have good data yet in terms of um, what we can really expect those revenues to be, uh, to be able to forecast that out. So that's one of them that kind of as the months go on, as we get further along the budget process, we'll have a little bit better data um, and hopefully we'll be able to have a little bit stronger um, revenue estimates and, and forecasts uh, to include in um, the budget uh, process as we move forward. Transient guest tax um, has seen a lot of volatility. Uh, this obviously impacts our transient guest tax fund. Uh, this is a 6% tax imposed on guests of hotels or other lodging facilities. Um, and this is 70% lower than our revised budget. So this is um, still experiencing a really significant impact um, from COVID. Um, and this also is a revenue stream that can be pretty difficult to um, forecast out. Um, this and, and the next few um, are uh, revenue streams that we receive from the state on a quarterly basis. So um, it, it's hard to kind of uh, track some of those trends, but this is one that we're really concerned about um, kind of moving forward. Um, and so this will be one we wanna keep a really close eye on. Um, the gasoline tax, this again is relatively stable. Um, this impacts our special gas tax fund. Um, this uh, is about 11% um, uh, lower than our revised budget. Um, again, we received this quarterly and it's based on a state formula. So this will be one that we continue to watch um, and monitor as well. Uh, but again, it, we receive it uh, quarterly. Liquor tax. Um, before COVID, this was a relatively uh, stable revenue stream, but it has been significantly impacted. Um, this impacts the general fund, the special alcohol fund, and special recreation fund. Uh, and this is about 64% lower than our revised budget. Um, and just as kind of a reminder on liquor tax, this is the tax um, on the sale of drinks containing liquor um, at clubs, caterers, um, and other drinking establishments. Um, and again, um, this is something that we receive on a quarterly basis, but is something that we're keeping a really close eye on because um, this has been uh, more significantly impacted than we initially anticipated. Um, federal funding. Uh, so obviously, um, as part of our quarterly budget adjustment process, uh, we have um, kind of recognized some of the various state and federal grants that we've received to date um, to help with um, addressing the impacts of COVID. Um, we will continue to review federal funding opportunities that are available um, and apply for those as they're identified. Um, I will note uh, that we have been notified of approximately $9 million. And actually, um, earlier today, we got the final um, um, allocation amounts. Um, so in fiscal year 2021, um, we can actually update this. We will um, receive $9.65 million. Uh, with a total allocation um, of $19.3 million. So um, those numbers uh, we just got today, um, some additional guidance came out uh, yesterday. So uh, there's, a, I think, 151-page uh, document that has all of the federal guidance. So uh, we are still working our way through that, as I think most cities and counties and um, are across the country. But uh, we do have a little bit of um, updated information since this uh, presentation was published. Uh, the other thing that I would note related to kind of the federal funding um, is that we did apply 
um, for that funding yesterday. So we're starting to kind of go through the process to actually receive those dollars um, uh, so that we can have kind of additional conversations about that federal funding um, and uses for those dollars. Um, so kind of switching gears, that was kind of the, the current status that we're in with a number of kind of those key revenue uh, streams, like I mentioned. Um, I wanted to also include kind of in the presentation for you all tonight is some of the, the key tools and sources of information that we really utilize um, during the budget process to bring forward a, a recommendation uh, for you all to ultimately consider. First and foremost, obviously, is the strategic plan framework um, and the performance indicators that you all have approved. Um, those will really be the guiding tools and guiding uh, pieces of information that we utilize throughout this budget process. Um, we're still working through kind of that strategy refinement and getting um, all of that put together, but um, that will be um, included as part of our presentation to you all as we kind of move further um, through this process. So that's really um, the, the key um, source of information and, and guideposts that, that we're using for this budget. And really, ultimately, the goal is to tie our budget to our strategic plan um, so that we can see what um, the, the dollars that we're spending, how that's really tying to the strategic plan and, and moving the needle in a positive direction on those performance indicators. Um, some of the other things that we've kind of noted here is obviously our community satisfaction survey results. Um, this obviously is heavily um, included in those performance indicators, so that's a really good source of information. Um, we've been going through um, kind of priority-based budgeting um, a little bit internally. I think you'll see this a little bit more um, when we bring forward the manager's recommended budget in terms of it being a little bit more programmatic. Um, but using, using that data, as well as our prioritization guidelines. Um, and then we have access to some budget scenario tools that um, can be utilized to kind of uh, gather some public input um, on the budget as well. Um, so kind of moving forward into some of the, the general assumptions um, we're working with at this point uh, for 2022. Um, kind of our general caveat at this point in the process, um, we're constantly receiving more information um, about where we are currently um, that we can um, use to forecast for 2022. We still have a number of unknowns. Like I said, some of those quarterly distributions, um, we're, we're always kind of waiting to get that, that second quarter distribution to see um, how that's going to impact our forecast. But um, really, as every month goes along, we have a little bit better data to use. Um, and then obviously really uh, relying on some of our historical data um, to, to kind of figure out what the um, impacts have been um, in some of our um, past economic hardships um, as we really look at each of these different revenue streams to put together some good uh, forecasts for um, the budget uh, development. So some of the key assumptions um, that we um, are using at this point in the process. Uh, these will change again as we get additional information, but um, right now we're assuming assessed valuation growth of about 2.7%. Um, we should get updated figures from the county. Actually in June, um, we were going through some of the legislation that was passed this year, uh, particularly Senate Bill 13, um, and this was one of the changes in that. So we should actually receive that about mid-June, um, which, is, which is really helpful. Um, we also um, are going to kind of continue to look at sales tax by category to kind of uh, determine 
uh, projections at a, a little bit more granular level. We did this really uh, quite a bit uh, last year with the impacts of COVID, so kind of a continuation of that. But um, I think that gives us um, uh, much better data to utilize. Again, uh, relying on some of that historical data that we have for some of these um, other revenue streams. Um, and then, like I mentioned, uh, transient guest tax and liquor tax are still experiencing um, some significant decreases and some significant impacts. So um, we will likely need to reduce funding for those um, both in 2021, and that'll kind of carry forward to 2022. So uh, those are two that we're, we're kind of expecting at this point to be lower um, than what we have had previously. And then again, continue to monitor that federal funding um, and utilize that uh, where we can. Um, so we included uh, this chart um, last year uh, during this presentation. I think for those visual learners out there, it's helpful to see kind of some of the different uh, recovery models out there. Um, as we were kind of talking about it internally, it feels like different revenue streams are following at this point kind of uh, different recovery models. Um, so I don't think at this point in the process, we really know um, completely which of these we are in, um, but I think it's always helpful to kind of look at um, some of those kind of common recovery models that um, we see. So we wanted to kind of include that visual for this conversation as well. And then uh, doing a little bit of um, kind of look forward um, and, and really the 2022 budget development. Um, so like I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, really the goal is to tie all of our expenditures to um, the results um, our strategic out, our strategic plan outcome areas. Um, this will continue to be a process that has to be refined over the years. Uh, but really, the the idea is that the dollars that we have in the budget really closely align to these results, um, so that we can really clearly articulate um, how we anticipate kind of moving the needle um, on these different uh, performance indicators. Um, like I mentioned, we'll continue to monitor those revenues and make adjustments um, as appropriate. So it's kind of a sneak peek um, about what this uh, will kind of look like. Uh, we wanted to kind of include this graph, which I will say paints with a very broad brush. Um, we don't currently have an account structure that aligns directly to our strategic plan, which means we're kind of having um, to work within two different systems at the same time. Um, so this will likely shift and change a little bit as we continue to refine our budget process and get into some of the details a little bit more. Um, but I think this is a really good starting place um, in terms of kind of starting the discussion. Um, so you can kind of see um, our budget uh, by outcome area. Um, and um, hopefully this will help kind of facilitate some of the conversations a little bit later on in terms of some of those uh, policy um, questions and comments for you. I will acknowledge Connected Cities uh, here is very large, and that is predominantly being uh, driven by um, all of our uh, utilities um, that are currently showing up um, under that outcome area. So um, I just wanted to kind of provide this for a little bit of context. Excuse me, Danielle, this is Commissioner Bowley. Can you just t tell me what the, the commitment part of this is, please? Yeah, good question. Uh, Danielle Bushcutter, Budget and Strategic Initiatives Administrator. Um, so the commitment here are those commitment uh, teams. So think of uh, the finance department, the IT, HR, uh, communications, um, 
sustainability and equity and inclusion. So kind of those um, core commitment um, that we have identified in the strategic plan. Um, I think as we get a little bit more um, into this, we may pull that out because those are also functioning as our, those are all in our internal service fund. So we're kind of capturing those costs twice in this chart um, because we are capturing them in the operating budgets as well. So that may be one of those cleanup things that in the future we get um, a little bit better. All right. Um, one of the other things uh, that we have kind of noted here as uh, a change for 2022 is related to our partner agency or outside agency funding. Um, and I think we've talked about this at a very high level, but kind of wanted to uh, call attention to it again tonight. Um, and that is um, kind of the idea of uh, replacing that general fund grant um, process with more of a request for proposal type um, structure. Um, and kind of negotiated service agreements to fully align um, with identified performance indicators in the strategic plan, with the idea really being um, that these will be kind of distributed throughout the budget where appropriate in alignment with those outcome areas, um, where some of these other agencies or um, kind of contracted providers are maybe better suited to deliver um, some of those strategic programs. So wanted to kind of call attention to this um, as a potential change for 2022. Uh, one of the um, other things that we kind of, we wanted to call attention to that uh, will be um, some of the kind of key conversations that we're having related to the 2022 budget are some of our major cost centers. Um, so the first one we have noted here is compensation. Um, we've had a lot of conversations about um, market rate for employees. Um, and in order to get um, all employees um, to market rate, it's estimated to cost between 10 and $11 million. Um, so this obviously will impact all of our operating funds um, that have staff uh, within them. Um, so we wanna do um, kind of provide some context and scale for uh, what that is um, kind of looking like. Um, one of the other kind of uh, major cost centers are um, capital our capital improvement plan, our maintenance plan, and vehicle and equipment replacement plan. Um, so we will have a presentation related to all of those um, next month, um, but those obviously are pretty large dollars as well um, and, and a, a key cost center. And then obviously just the level of service that comes with um, all the various programs and services that are being provided and funded through the budget process. So uh, this is where we get into those key uh, policy questions. Um, so uh, I think we first kind of introduced this Venn diagram um, last year uh, about this time. Um, and so I think it's just kind of a good reminder about um, kind of that tension that we always have when it comes to budget about um, the level of service that we have versus the charges for service and um, taxes. So there's always kind of a tension at play between kind of those three areas. Um, we would all love to have low taxes, low charges for service and really high um, service levels, uh, but that's not feasible. And so um, this is kind of the, the tension at play um, that, that we're kind of uh, having to, to manage and deal with as it relates to um, budgets. So um, we wanted to just kind of provide that um, as kind of a, a, a context a little bit. Um, so there are five key policy questions um, that we are kind of asking you all to uh, contemplate tonight and provide a little bit of direction um, for us tonight. Um, so 
we can incorporate that on the rest of the budget process. So, excuse me, the first one is, what are some key programs or projects you would like to ensure are included in the proposed budget, um, if at all possible? The second one is related to what parameters uh, you would like to see in terms of revenue. And on um, this note, um, there was uh, some legislation passed uh, this session uh, that lifted the property tax lid, but set forth um, some other parameters related to property tax revenue. Um, so there are kind of three general options um, in terms of property taxes um, that I want to kind of highlight and discuss uh, because this will be really critical in terms of um, calendaring um, some of our next steps. So uh, the three options are, first is uh, to maintain a revenue neutral rate. So this keeps revenue flat with 2021. This is our most restrictive um, option. Uh, the second option is to maintain a flat mill levy rate. This would capture um, any increase in assessed valuation that we may see for 2022. This is typically kind of, I would frame this one as our status quo, um, but with this new legislation that came forth, um, it would require us to provide notice to um, the community um, of that uh, flat mill levy uh, rate. Um, in order for uh, public discourse to happen at the public hearing. And then option number three um, would be um, increasing the mill levy rate to fund um, various operations. This too would require that same notice, um, but I just wanted to kind of call out those different, kind of three different options as it relates to property taxes. Um, which of those options uh, you all kind of discuss and give us direction on tonight um, will impact the, the rest of the budget calendar because um, there's some different parameters that have been set forth um, in that latest um, Senate Bill 13 uh, that impacts uh, what we have to do when based on which of those three things uh, you all are interested in. So um, wanted to kind of call and some additional attention to that. Um, the third question is uh, related to uh, whether or not you want the budget um, to consider a market competitive compensation plan for employees. Uh, question number four is um, how much investment would you like to see in each of those five outcome areas kind of as a percentage um, based on kind of that, that chart that we provided. And then finally, um, do you all kind of expect um, and want to see as part of the budget process um, kind of a prioritization plan for the American Rescue Plan Act uh, funding that uh, we were uh, just kind of notified of the, the amount of that? Um, obviously, we will only spend what we uh, receive, but um, kind of the, the extent to which you all want to include that as part of our um, kind of normal budget process, if you will. And then finally, I always like to include at some point in all of these budget presentations, kind of a list of the calendar and what we have coming up. Um, so again, like I mentioned in June, we'll have that capital improvement plan, vehicle and equipment replacement plan, a maintenance plan presentation. Uh, July uh, 13th, uh, we will have the manager's recommended budget. The calendar after that point uh, was put together with the old rules in mind. Um, so depending on the guidance that we get from you all tonight, um, really uh, July 27th and forward, um, you may see an updated budget calendar 
um, to comply with, with that additional uh, legislation that came forth. So um, with that, happy to answer any um, questions that you all um, may have and, and really do uh, look forward to uh, the discussion tonight. So with that, I will stop sharing my screen and um, would be happy to answer any questions. This is Commissioner Boley, Danielle, would you actually go back to your screen and go back a slide from where you ended? Uh, Danielle Bushcutter, Budget and Strategic Initiatives Administrator. Which slide was it, Commissioner Bowling? It was the one that talked about the federal funding and the budget, whether we wanted to include it in the budget or not. There we go. Can you talk about the pluses and minuses of, of having it in the budget? Uh, Danielle Bushcutter, Budget and Strategic Initiatives Administrator. I can kind of kick it off and would invite any others um, on the staff side that would like to kind of jump in to please do so. I think um, this obviously is a really um, large pot of money. Um, and, and in terms of kind of providing context, it may be helpful to include um, some of the discussions related to these dollars as part of our budget process because there may be um, things that impact one another. So I think from that perspective, it would be helpful to kind of align these things. Um, I think the challenge we um, run into is that obviously there are uh, much different parameters on these dollars than there are on kind of the rest of the budget um, conversations and discussions. Um, and so, um, you know, I think that can always kind of be a, a challenge too, to sometimes you got to compartmentalize a little bit so that we're talking about operating budget and then we're talking about the capital budget and then, you know, we could be talking about these funds. Um, so I think those are kind of some of the, the pros and cons that I see kind of initially in terms of whether or not to include it versus to include it. Um, but I'd certainly invite um, others if they have additional thoughts on that to, to please jump in. The city manager Craig Owens, uh, Commissioner Bully, what we're what we're kind of asking you here is: Do you want us to show both the expenditures and the revenues on this, so that we're kind of ready to go? We know what our plan will be, and we're anticipating there's going to be some money coming in, so that we can keep these on the board, but understand that we'll have to be disciplined not to obviously spend anything that um, that we don't have. And um, so that's what we're kind of asking. I, it, my recommendation would be we need to have some kind of a plan. And I think it's worthwhile to have this conversation during our budget process, which is where, after all, we are trying to prioritize what are our top priorities and what's our plan to do those, deliver those in the next year. And then when we look at the five-year CIP, we're trying to make sure that we do the same thing with longer horizons with our money and larger projects. So. Um, my recommendation is yes, we should do something like this. It's just kind of saying how ready to go do you want to be? And are you ready to kind of participate in that level of conversation in a very busy, busy budget season? The alternative, I think, is that we would um, wait to see what comes out and then we would look at applications for specific projects as they're coming out, which um, you know, it's, it's fine to do too, but it, it, I, my anticipation is that these will be some very large pro, um, programs and we probably will have um, some really, um, some projects that really uh, compete very well to qualify for that kind of infrastructure spending. Commissioner Bullock, thank you, Danielle. Thank you, Craig. Uh, Craig, I kind of like your idea of 
being ready to go. May I think I other questions at this point? I guess I'm, it's a work session. I, we can do this a couple ways. We can make comments now and then open it to public comment. Um, or we could ask for public comment now and then then discuss. How is how do folks want to proceed, commissioners? Book session we can do it a little different. Commissioner Nanda, I think sometimes getting that public input before a discussion is helpful. Um, it can kind of guide some of our questions sometimes even. So that would be fine by me. Okay. Mayor Finkeldie, I take advice well, so I will take that advice and open this up to public comment. Um, if any members of the public would like to speak on this, you can um, use the raise your hand feature, and or if you're present, you can let Sherry know and she'll call upon you. Chris Flowers. Hi, um, this is Chris Flowers, and I was just thinking about the um, employee, like, I guess, was it raising employee wages? And I think what I would prefer is before we do the whole um, being market competitive, I'd rather we make sure all our employees are making at least $15 an hour. I, I'm, I'd rather help the ones at the bottom more than helping some of the top positions. Also, when it comes to market value is cost of living. Like if, if we're comparing how much we pay compared to like um, some place, a, a Kansas City suburb, are we taking into account like the cost of living? Because if I don't think we should be paying the same amount as a, a city where it costs more to live because um, they should be paying a little bit more because it's going to cost more to live there. So I just I, I would just like to make sure we're thinking about cost of living. But before we do any of that, I, I definitely do think we should be making sure our low like our lowest paid employees are at least making 15 an hour. Thank you. Chad Osdale. Can you hear me all right? Well, it's me again. Uh, we did this last year. I was going to ask that you uh, please uh, give the unrepresented employees of the city of Lawrence the 2.5% general wage adjustment that we were told we would receive this year. And please do not cut it to a half a percent like we did last year. Uh, it would also be nice if you would fund our merit pool like we have not done in the past three years. Something rather than nothing would be nice. Uh, I listened to a young lady uh, talk about performance indicators uh, to decide where our budget is spent. That wouldn't have anything to do with the uh, performance appraisals, would it? where our scores are preset. So there is no performance indicators for the unrepresented employees. Same shit I always say, I'm sorry. 
I'm just asking, please, don't take away what you've told us we'd already get. And to please fund the merit pool with something rather than nothing. Thank you again. This is Sherry Riedemann, City Clerk. Is there any other public comment on this item? That's all the comment, Mayor. Mayor Fingal, I thank you. I'd bring it back to the commission. And I guess I would start given those two public comments. I, I know we had the market, um, the, the, the market salary study we've been implementing. I assume that's where the 10 to 11 million came from, but maybe talk a little bit about that and how it, how it takes into account locations and then how it plays into both the general wage increase and merit pool, if you could. Uh, this is Danielle Bushcutter, Budget and Strategic Initiatives Administrator. Um, so it, it does take into account those things. Um, so um, like uh, Mayor Finkeldy said, uh, we've been working on implementing kind of that pay plan and we've been working with a, a consultant to um, kind of talk through that. So when we talk about that 10 to $11 million, we are talking about um, dealing with some of the compression issues uh, that we have in the organization. We're talking about um, which gets to kind of where people fall within uh, those different ranges that we have identified. Uh, it also includes general wage adjustment um, uh, as well as um, a merit pool. So there are several different kind of components um, that make up that recommendation, but really the goal with that 10 to $11 million is really focused on getting uh, to be market competitive. So uh, there are a couple uh, different things that kind of play into that, but um, um, that is really kind of the, the primary focus of, of being able to fully implement that uh, compensation plan that we've, we've been talking about. Um, this is Commissioner Larson. Danielle, um, the 10 to million, $11 million, is that per year? Is that a cost per per year? Is it a one-time fee or, or what is it? Uh, Danielle Bushcutter, Budget and Strategic Initiatives Administrator. Um, because it would be going to base salaries, uh, that would be something that uh, would be an ongoing expense moving forward. So it is not one time in nature. Mayor Finkel, I, do we want to and Commissioner Nando is about to say something, but do we want to take these one at a time, these different questions? Um, is that probably the best way to do it? Um, though I think I would be interested in talking about that last question or the, the second to last question first, and then coming back, because I think understanding how we're going to include some of this federal money makes a difference in how I'm thinking about some of the other items. Um, this question of how we get in the budget. I guess my, and I'll kick it off here and, and Danielle or Craig can talk that through. I guess I think of it in two ways. I mean, first, as relates to the, you know, the 19 million, which is 9 million this year, 9 million next year. I mean, one of the things we can do with that money, and again, I know we're just learning about this, I read some of the interim regulations today and I said in on a webinar put on by the National Mayor's Conference, 
And again, there's a lot of questions, um, maybe more questions than answers. But certainly one of the things we can do is use some of that 19 million to, um, you know, um, make up for lost revenue for the net for 20, you know, 2021 through 2024. Um, and of course, if we use it to make up for lost revenue, that allows it to go into our budget and then we can spend it, you know, as we want um, in that lost revenue category. If we don't use it to make up lost revenue, then there are certain things we can spend it on, you know, water, wastewater, homeless, COVID, you know, there's a specific list. Um, and so I guess in my mind, you know, we would use, you know, part of the $9 million to supplement this 2021 budget if we get to a point we need it. You know, for example, the transient guest tax, you know, we could supplement some of that, supplement other parts of our budget so we don't have to dip into our reserves, you know, set aside some money for that. And then when we go into the budget for 2022, you know, set aside a portion of that money to, again, if we're, if we're looking at declining revenues in our models, to say this is what we think revenue is going to be in 2022, but we're going to supplement that with X dollars um, and those X dollars from the, the revenue, and that gets us to a revenue of, you know, whatever the number is, and then we spend that as we would any budget. That would then leave some amount of money left, maybe hold some for 2023 and 2024 even. And then that would leave some amount of money left. Um, again, don't know the number, $10 million or whatever that we could use on programming uh, or you know, doing something in those other categories, be it the homeless, you know, be it um, wet water, wastewater, or other type of activities. I guess that's the way I was seeing it it done. And then I would say the last thing would be, then there would be the category of what's yet to come, you know, the competitive awards yet to come, competitive awards from state money, competitive awards for highway projects, and then, you know, the yet-to-be-determined infrastructure bill, which would be even more competitive processes or maybe even more money. Um, so that's a complex system, but... Um, I guess that's the, the the way I saw some of the money being used, some of the money being used in 2021, supplementing the budget in 2022, and then planning for some of those bigger items later on. But that's just my thought process. And I don't know if that's off base or what others were thinking. Mr. Commissioner Bully, are you advocating for that, Mayor? Well, maybe the question first was, is that what <laughs> staff is thinking in making the budget? Um, I, I guess I'm advocating for it because I think that's one of the purposes of it, right? Not so we don't have to slash, you know. I mean, if we don't use it for revenue enhancements, we might have to slush, you know, slash, um, you know, whatever, explore Lawrence, for example, or we have to slash Parks and Rec, but then we use the money for more wastewater. I mean, to me, if we use it to balance our budget, we continue that program and long run you know, long range growth with parts of the money. Again, I don't know, a million and a half this year, two million next year, 
a million in 2023, you still have, you know, you still have 16 million or 15 million to spend. Um, but rather than talking about mill levy increases or, um, you know, slashing parts of our budget because of the low revenue, I guess that, I guess I am advocating for it, but I didn't know if that's how the staff was looking at it or something different. The city manager, Craig Owens, I, I mean, that's a that's a that is a good way to to look at this. I I, I think I want to just kind of couch this and it'll be a good setup for the conversations. It's a bit of a reminder. One term cost should be a, a t should be aligned with one time money, and ongoing costs should have ongoing revenue associated with it. And so just always remember that. So when you do something like that and you have kind of a plan drawdown of, if you will, a, a trust fund or something like that, that's fine. That as long as that is set up so that it keeps some of those ongoing expenses going. But um, and that's, you know, that you can do some surge stuff maybe. And that's what we've talked about. I would have heard those programs. We could do some staffing, understanding that that would be a shorter term. And that those programs, we would hope, then may may go away or may be uh, realigned to something else that has an ongoing funding stream, or maybe they just are repurposed to uh, other work that we need to have going on then. So I think those would be just cautions. I'd say is just make sure that you, we're identifying this is going to be a lot of one-time money coming out of the federal government. It looks like when you talk about infrastructure, that's what it looks like. But we've heard infrastructure used more broadly in a lot of the conversations here, and some of these programs may indeed be ongoing funding of um, positions, the human infrastructure that um, we we understand may have a need and application here. This is Commissioner Bullock. Craig, um, you know, the transit gas tax and the uh, special recreation fund have particularly been hard hit. Um, do you think it would be appropriate to use some of this federal money to backstop that while the hotels and the clubs come back? City Manager Craig Owens, I, I would like to see, you know, some of these 150 pages of regulations. I think if there's an opportunity to do that, yes, those are, and, and they've been, you know, there've been some programs that have been carved out specifically to address those needs and those concerns. And so I think we just want to make sure that we're using, we're maximizing every, every program that's out there. But certainly it sounded like where we saw these terrible revenue declines, and I don't think any were hit harder than those areas in our budget. Um, then those would be appropriate ones to take a careful look at. Yeah, Commissioner Larson here. Um, yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly that we need to be really careful that the monies that we use on this the, from the feds that um, we are sure that we're not growing programs, but we're just trying to bring those programs that were hit the hardest back to whole as much as possible. Um, under the circumstances. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely on board with that um, and to um, just kind of to bring back some of those programs so that they budget wise, that they are back to where they were um, as well as into the next year when we, um, if we get additional federal funding, which it sounds like we're going to get federal funding, but I definitely just want to just reiterate, and I think that's been said here, just that we don't want to put this towards programs that are going to be required to be an ongoing expense um, in the future. Uh, so. Mayor Finkelheim, I agree. I, I kind of see it as, again, that's why I wanted to have this discussion first, almost splitting that, uh, well, 
you know, splitting that federal money up into a couple categories. One would be, you know, um, whatever, stabilizing or making up for lost revenue, right? Making up for lost revenue. So, you know, we would have expected, you know, sales tax to be X and, you know, and in 2024, we expect it to be, you know, continue to go up. Well, we have a dip here. Well, let's make that dip up, not, you know, start a whole new program, but flatten out the, you know, the, the curve basically with that, some of that federal money. And then someplace else in the budget, talk about those sort of um, programs, be it, as Craig said, one-time expenses or some sort of surge expense, which we've talked about, um, you know, to get some program up and running. And then it replaces something else and, and revenue comes on board or something like that. But I think those do have to be delineated um, kind of separately so they don't get in the general budget and then we're on the hook you know, later for that. Um, so I think we have to think about that money differently. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. This is Commissioner. Oh, go ahead, Craig. Well, uh, City Manager Craig Owens, uh, just kind of on that on that same point, um, you know, the infrastructure has been a big push for this community and kind of catching up. And the real only opportunities we've had are local resources. We have had some participation of state resources and other federal grants, but this $250 million five-year CIP, which is a huge lift for this community to kind of address the things that we, we, we haven't addressed before, um, we're, we're counting on you know, general fund ongoing, re at least 20 year revenue to retire these bonds, these debt instruments that we, we've developed that we can, we can afford as we go forward and bonds that are supported by uh, revenue bonds that are supported by great increases. So either way, these are longer term kind of um, fees or taxes that we're going to, that we've planned. It's a good plan, but if there are, are, um, other federal funds that help us address these backlogs. And we're not alone. I mean, clearly, um, you know, we're at a D plus C minus on infrastructure around the country. Everybody has been kind of neglecting these things. This is an opportunity. We now see a, some federal programs that might help us in this area. And remember then that that reduces the debt capacity or the debt um, expenditures that we were going to have to make on, on overall. And it also reduces potentially how much in our, our rate um, increases for utilities that we were going to have to dedicate to just putting infrastructure. So, the, you know, you can think of the translation of these two. Now, keep in mind, those are 20 years, but they're still limited in duration. But we were planning to use debt instruments largely to fund these um, these infrastructure. Um, this is Commissioner Ananda. I'll jump in here. Um, Mayor, you mentioned talking about the last two together. So the ranking, I suppose, um, is one way to put it of the percentages that we're spending on each of those five areas um, or outcome areas. And I think that it would be interesting and probably useful to see where, you know, if we do apply that to our, our um, we don't apply it into our budget for lost revenue, um, but we look at those federal funds as where if we applied them as required, those strategic outcome areas would be impacted by those dollars. Um, I don't know that I am ready. I don't know that the whole commission is ready to say, you know, we want 
2.8% in prosperity and economic security um, necessarily. I don't think that we've seen that played out. I don't think that we have enough familiarity with what falls under that. You know, seeing that 50% of our budget is connected city at first brush, that's alarming. When that's utilities, that's expected. Um, so how do we how do we play that out? And, and where would those go? So does then that... Um, kind of affect what those other percentages are when we apply those funds as they're required federally. So it almost it almost seems like there's an opportunity to have kind of two budgets, the, the, the real budget and then the overlay budget of those federal funds that we can kind of use to look at where things are playing out for us. Um, I think that it is important to, and I, I think I've mentioned at a previous meeting, like applying those to those fund balances so that we can maintain that and we're not dipping into those and they're not taking as much of a hit. So I think mayor, that was, that is spot on um, as far as I'm concerned right now. Um, and I think that um, part of what looking at this, this budget here too um, by the outcome piece is um, what are the required costs like the utility pieces and what are those other pieces where we have a bit more control and maybe there's more um, community interest in those items but they don't take up as much of the budget as we see like in the utilities um, i think that that might be an interesting kind of subset of that those percentages as well um, what we have to do um, because this is what we provide and then um kind of the more visionary aspects of those outcome areas. Um, and I think that those one-time projects are a huge opportunity. So I would hate to put all of that into the lost revenue. Um, and I, I think that we have we have such a such a chance um, to, to really make some huge strides in the community on some of these projects. So I guess I guess I'm kind of saying both and and uh, neither nor uh, all at the same time. Um, and I'm sure that our budget folks are kind of um, bristling with excitement and consternation around how to apply this for us anyway. Um, so I really appreciate you all kind of asking us these questions to which we're like, hey, how about you tell us the answers too? This is Commissioner Bullock. Commissioner Nanda has prompted a question that I hadn't really thought of. And that is in the percentages, is that the operating budget or does that also include the um, capital and verb and the maintenance money? Uh, Daniel Bushcutter, Budget and Strategic Initiatives Administrator. The chart that we put together does include um, the capital budget as well, the VERP, CIP and maintenance plan. Um, the one thing we did pull out was uh, transfers and debt service uh, because we don't want to, uh, to, to finish <laughs> off this point, we kind of got to pay debt. Um, and the transfers tend to make um, some of these impacts, you know, double. So those were the two things we pulled out, but you're seeing everything else. Great. Thank you. Uh, Vice Mayor Shipley, um, something that also kind of came up when um, I was looking at this and, and when Commissioner Nando was speaking, um, some of the things on this chart, I think we're all talking about the same chart, the looking forward operating budget outcome chart. Some of the things I imagine um, actually take up uh, two of these spaces. I can think of programs that are welcoming neighborhoods and safe and secure. Um, and so I, I know I would have a hard time looking at some of the programs and deciding which category to put those into. 
um, if I only had one choice. Um, so we're also, I mean, it, it feels like there's also some, some things happening here that fall into more than one category in our um, strategic plan. Um, and so I don't know how we um, uh, acknowledge their importance without changing their priority or giving them somehow extra um, points or something for, for qualifying under two of our strategic um, uh, categories. Um, so yeah, just to acknowledge again, how difficult you all's jobs are when you're coming up with these, <laughs> uh, performance indicators and things like that. Mayor Finkelbeck, I certainly agree with that. And, you know, a new road could be an economic development tool or it could be, you know, so it could be connectivity or it could be economic prosperity, lots of examples like that. Um, but I think, you know, probably more so than these general categories, you know, I think the way you're going to tie it to the strategic plans and the outcomes will be where you, you know, where you make the progress. You know, we're going to put money in to make progress on this issue. And obviously to make progress on, you know, um, environmental water is a lot more expensive than making progress on, you know, maybe a smaller project. And so, you know, money doesn't necessarily, you know, pure dollars doesn't necessarily match up here. But if we can make real progress on some of these issues, I think that's what we want to look at. Um, and the other thing I think, Commissioner Ananda, going back to what she says, you said a second ago, I, I think a very good point is we, we can't forget that, and what Craig was saying, some some items can be bonded. Some projects can't be bonded. And, and, you know, having this federal money, you know, in our hand, if we can use it on a project that could never be bonded, if we might be able to do something that would take years to save up for in the general fund or whatever. So I do think we want to think about that as we, as we look at projects, um, both for the money we have and the money we're going to request and not miss our opportunities um, there. I think there'll be a lot of those. Um, other comments on that? Do we want to go up to number one now? Or? Yeah, Commissioner Arson, I just would, on, on the bonded aspect of it, I think yeah. that, that um, I think one of the key things is, is the fact that if a project's bonded, that generally means that it's a one-time project, one-time cost just for the actual construction of it anyway, not necessarily the maintenance of it. So I think it would make sense at that point to um, look at allocating some of those dollars to those types of projects that are a one-time expense. This is Commissioner Bowley. You know, I think some of the utility rate increases that we've been looking at are significant. And if we can you know, affect that trajectory, that would be a very useful thing to do. Yeah, Commissioner Arson, those what the utility rate increases, I agree with you on that, uh, Commissioner Boley, and, and and that is some of that's reflected on the fact that we've got to have pro we've got to do projects that maintain those utility infrastructure. And so that does impact the the fee structure. So uh, so 
um, you know, as the, as the money flows, I mean, it would make sense then that we could potentially um, soften some of that um, utility fee structure that we've, we've had to deal with in the past several years, just to make sure that we can pay for our infrastructure in the long term and still maintain our bonding requirements. Um, Mayor Finkelberg. Just because I like going out of order, I think it might be easier to take a few of these out of order. Number one might be the the, the, lo the long laundry list, but maybe we should talk about two and three first before we uh, get, jump into the things we want to show Craig figure out, figures out how to pay for without having any money to pay for it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but let's talk about that maybe number two, then we can talk about three, we'll go back to one. So. I assume, Craig, what you're asking on two or Danielle is, um, do we want to hold the line on on, tax, on the mill levy this year, um, or even the the flat? I guess I'll start by saying I I definitely um, want to leave the mill levy flat, flat. Um, and I think that's a starting point. I, I'm not sure I'm willing to leave revenue flat. Um, and there might be some problems with the federal funding if we did that because we can't use it otherwise. But um, I guess that's why, and, and I would not want to see, I mean, obviously utility rates are going up. We've already approved that. But again, I would like to try to see other fees stay as flat as possible. Commissioner, Commissioner Larson, um, so when you talk about the, the fees, um, as we were just talking about the utility fees, I know that we're on a schedule um, as to raising the, the fees so much per year in order to keep up with that infrastructure cost. And so, I mean, it, it'd be nice to take a look at that as to whether or not that could be slowed down or if it should be, um, we, can, we, can, we can do that. And then there's the franchise fees, which I think... Um, um, I know at least one franchise franchise fees where we're pretty much um, beneath um, charging le much less than some of the surrounding areas, and maybe to look at some some of that structure as to where those franchise fees sit in 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 uh, relative to the to our neighbors, so to speak, um, and whether or not there's some as some possible revenue in that area. So obviously, I've been made it very clear I don't want to raise the mill levy. In fact, I you know I would wouldn't mind entertaining taking a look do we do we need to maintain the miller we have is that something that we could look at um, um you know possibly reducing i don't know but um i'd be i'd be more than willing to entertain that may i think like any other comments on Number two there. This is Commissioner Ananda. I, I think that looking at those federal funds and what we have coming to us, obviously that can be part of the conversation and how we balance these items. I um, strongly hold that you never say never always because you will always be wrong. Um, so I, I won't say that there is no circumstances in which I would not support and increase the mill levy. I think that when we're talking about local government and our tax dollars at work, that's where you see those dollars at work. That's where you can see the best and greatest impact. 
Um, and there's, there's um, accountability for that versus, you know, an increase in federal taxes where, you know, you don't get to, you don't get as much say into where those go. Um, but that directly benefits our community in a way that isn't like a sales tax increase. It's not regressive. It's not um, directly um, impacting the day-to-day dollar availability for our poorest residents. Um, I also think that um, I appreciate the great amount of conversation that we had around utility rate increases. Um, And I think that we have done good work in providing support for folks who can't afford that, who are most greatly impacted by those increases. And there are others who are minimally impacted by those increases. I would, I would like to focus on increasing the availability of support for folks who aren't able to afford those bills than to reducing the increase that we've already spent a considerable amount of time discussing. Um, and I'm not advocating for raising the mill levy, obviously, um, but I do think that it's, it's, it's never a never for me. Um, and I, I think that's responsible um, as part of this conversation and, and particularly around our strategic plan and what we want to do and the real impact that I think that that will have when we focus on those priorities, there's going to be visible outcomes that benefit our community immeasurably in many ways. Mayor Pickle, I, I would add, and I, I think it's, we're still trying to figure it out from the latest regulations, but as we get further, I'd, I'd like staff's opinion on it. I, my first reading of the interim regulations on the 19 million is if we lower our mill levy, we, we can't, we have to give them the money equal to what we lower. We can't, we can't use the 19 million to lower our mill levy. Um, and so it's a, it's a slippery slope there. Um, but I'll be, the interim rules are pretty complicated on that. Um, but it's worth looking at. Yeah, Commissioner, so I'm not advocating for that at all um, because, again, just like it's a one-time shot of money, you're not going to build a program that's going to cost uh, more money in the future. Um, these are one-time expenses. Also, wouldn't do it. Wouldn't even you know dream of doing that from a mill levy, lowering the mill levy. I'm not saying do it because we're getting all this federal money. I'm just saying look at where our efficiencies are in the budget um, and to see whether or not that's always a possibility. I don't think we should ever leave that possibility out, and that we should make sure we explore that as well as the need to raise it. So. May I think about any other comments on number two? Then maybe we, if not, we can go to the market competitive compensation plan. Um, this Commissioner Bowley, um, I'm not interested in raising the mill levy, and it appears that it's hard for us to do that to lower it this year. So um, I think maintaining the mill levy is probably the right way to go. Um, as far as the the rate increases go. I appreciate Commissioner Ananda's comments. It's been tough. I guess I'm going to skip forward to number one and just say I'd like a more meaningful and significant utility assistance program as part of what we do in this budget as we have raised these rates. So um, that I'm not sure that's a segue to number one, but I think that's 
essentially what I'm my response to Commissioner Nanda's comments. I think we need to do more in utility assistance. Uh, Commissioner Arson, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. And that's something that we've been, this commission as well as the past commission has been advocating for for several years. And so hopefully maybe this might be an opportunity where we can actually see a actual structured program in place that um, expands beyond what it is right now, because it's definitely needed, obviously. Mayor Vingley, I'd agree with that. I'd also say um, on this national call I was on today, you were able to ask, you know, submit questions. And one of the questions I asked was, do you think we can use the 19 million, the, the ALP funds to pay past due utility bills? You know, obviously ours is up to what, $1.5 million or whatever, 1.7 million. And their answer was the way they read it, yes, we could do that. So not only is it something to think about going forward, of course, to, to continue to fund and develop a plan but there's some some of our members or some of our citizens out there who have very large bills that you know there's other utility programs there's other processes again we don't want to necessarily use our money if they can also get you know a a help from leap or what what's that called the low income housing something you know there's other utility assistance programs but the flip side is if you know some of our citizens who are in the, these categories will have a hard time ever paying back the amount of utility bills they've accumulated absent help either from us or from someone else. So I think that's something we need to look at as well. This is Commissioner Ananda. Um, I know Commissioner Willie had mentioned um, the competitive compensation plan. We talked a little bit about that. Uh, previously. And I just wanted to ask, you know, if there was a way to implement this within X number of years, obviously with that difference in the amount that that's going to cost increasing annually um, with, with cost of living, what kind of, what kind of responsible incremental plan would we be able to look at around that? I think that, you know, I don't know that any of us here would say we're ready to commit 10 or $11 million annually today, increase in our budget, um, just given the conversations that we're having, which is really unfortunate. Um, because I do think that, you know, looking at that $15 minimum wage and, you know, all of those things that we want to have for our, our employees, because we do value them and the work that they provide, how can we responsibly implement that incrementally um, would be something that I would be interested in hearing more about. Mr. Commissioner Bullock, I think it's important for us to um, have a goal to become market competitive in our salaries. And when you go back to that Venn diagram, you know, if we don't want to increase taxes and, you know, we're, we're on a schedule to increase rates, but we don't want to go any higher, we may have to actually just end up having to prioritize the services that we provide. You know, the, those are the hard questions that, that land in our lap. Mayor Finkelvai, kind of going along those lines, as I recall from last budget, we took a step in the competitive and working on the compression. And, and uh, I thought there was a couple steps to go. I can't remember exactly how that plan is laid out, but isn't it 
laid out in a, as a couple a multi-year process or not? Am I remembering wrong? See, Manager Craig Owens, there's probably some people that um, have more uh, technical answers than me on it. Uh, but this has been a multiple year plan and approach. Uh, the market data has been something we've been working with uh, McGrath Consulting for several years in trying to identify uh, what the market is and then position ourselves and increase our position in that in various strategic areas. So uh, you've heard about compression and those of you who are into compensation strategy, you know, what happens when people that are supervising somebody are they're they're very close in in that 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 compression issue can become a problem for the retention of those those supervisors or those management positions or when positions that have higher skill levels even in non-supervisory but higher skill levels are creeping up to people in lower skill, skill levels those are getting too close there's just not enough differentiation so why do i take why would i take that promotion or why would i take that job or or i can go and get paid more someplace else for that. That's that compression issue has been very challenging. It's complicated, and that has been very challenging here, and is something that has not been the top priority to address. Where we have addressed it are in trying to uh, get into straight up market compensation. So, what are our pay ranges compared to other pay ranges for um, competitors? Places where somebody could get in their car and drive to that job instead of uh, working here uh, to the to address some of the, the comments we got earlier. Um, there's a market where people are willing to go work and a lot of people that live here in Lawrence don't work here in Lawrence. So uh, the, there's those things. So there's a number of other pieces of it. Last year, we asked that if we only had this money to spend, here's the best place to make some progress on that plan. That's exactly what we did. Uh, so that, that half percent was something giving something in a very unusual um, global conditions that we were anticipating trying to at least do something and, and uh, so it, it is complex we will bring you lots of data and information on this um, there's plenty to be had but um, it, it, it amounts to a very large dollar amount which is why we just continue to just nibble off pieces of this dollar amount we're showing you the whole lock stock barrel this is the recommendation if you want to be competitive with the other places that are doing the same work this is what you should be paying so we wanted to kind of put that out there here at an early stage so you could react to it this is Commissioner Ananda. I think that this conversation is slightly akin to the utility rate increase conversation um, where we talk about the impact and prioritize, you know, to to do that effectively. So it would be it would be, I think, um, at least helpful to see not just a nibble, but like what is a 20 percent? Five year, we're addressing this plan look like and how can we prioritize that and where does that fall within our strategic outcomes? Mayor Finkel, I have the comments on the compensation plan. Craig, you always do a good job of giving us options, you know. So I'm sure you'll bring us more than one option on that. So Mayor Finkel, that brings us to number one, which are some key programs and projects that we'd like to ensure being we see in the proposed budget. Mayor, this is Commissioner Ananda. I'm wondering if this one is going to take a few minutes and if we could take a five minute recess. 
Mayor Finkelai, that's fine with me. Um, let's go ahead and take a 739. So let's come back at 745. Give you six minutes, Commissioner Nunn. We are ready, Mayor. Mayor Finkelai, thank you, Porter. We are back from our six minute recess and ready to talk about number one, which are programs we want to be sure uh, get get budgeted. So someone feel free to, to start, up, start us off on this one. Ms. Commissioner Boley, I think I already said it. Um, the uh, significant meaningful utility assistance. Commissioner Arson, I would concur with that. And I have to admit it, it makes it um, difficult to talk about specific projects or programs when we haven't seen the CIP yet and I understand why we don't see that yet. But, um, I, you know, I, I don't want this to be, if we don't name specific ones at this point, I don't want it to be lost that once we get that CIP that, we, that I would probably be asking for some possible changes at that point. If I may, this is City Manager Craig Owens. Um, right, this is um, most useful information tonight would be, um, you, you should assume that everything you saw in the CIP last year, that's still going on. This is a long range five year CIP, so nothing big surprises us. So you, you should see adjustments. Ideally, we'll add things to the end and we'll keep on working the plan. But things could happen in the interim. And, and so of course, it's useful to have any any of your ideas or um, projects related to that. I'd say programmatically, you know, we are trying to build this as disciplined as possible around the top priorities that are in the strategic plan. So you should still expect to see those things, but to the degree you can articulate things. I'd say the utility assistance was a really good example. So there's some things that you've heard are kind of out there and you're not sure that that's, you know, specifically programmed or being included. It'd be nice for us to know that you'd like to see us try and incorporate those kinds of things in there. Um, and anything that you know you 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 know is part of the strategic plan, but you don't know exactly how we're going to implement it or those the strategies that are involved in that, which we've been building. Um, it would be nice to hear you kind of urge us to make sure that we've done some of those things. So we've heard some proposals about social service uh, funding and homelessness. That would be the type of thing we've had recent conversations on that. If you've got some specific ideas around that sort of thing, that would be another good example of where you might want to go. Just to just to tease it out, this isn't a last. This there's nothing final answer on this. Uh, you see, you get lots more time, but um, that would be useful for us to have uh, tonight. Okay. Commissioner Larson, I, I what I would then um, bring up uh, is the neighborhood funding program. I know there's going through quite a bit of changes right now. And I just want to make sure that that doesn't get lost in the shovel and that we come up with some sort of a structure or plan as to how that, how we're going to do that moving going forward, but, but that it's in, in our budget for this next year. Nice Mayor Shipley. That's exactly what I was going to remind you of, even though again, we've spoken about it at some length in the past, I would say particularly um, I had felt like I heard the neighborhood saying, um, um, uh, prioritizing coordinators and um, newsletters 
um, which were kind of the things that ended up on the chopping block when they lost their funding. Um, and then I guess I would also go back to the couple funds that um, staff has already spoken about, transient guest tax and special alcohol. Um, and and the mayor also brought it up, you know, we don't, we don't want to slash the funding of um, Explore Lawrence or any of the, the um, you know, the, the programs that get transient guest tax grant money, especially the ones that um, are encouraging um, uh, tourism here, or even some of the things that are just community building since most of us haven't been allowed to leave our house for a year. Um, and now that we're, um, a lot of us getting inoculated, uh, anxious to get out and share community um, with the people that we miss. So, um, and, I, I guess I would just bring that up again. This is Commissioner Ananda. I think that um, I took this question and ran for it, ran with it, um, and was not really looking at, you know, wanting to ensure, but really wanting to dig into the innovation and creativity of staff. Um, because I also considered this question in light of the, the federal money as well. And, um, you know, very important and practical items like the neighborhood programs funding and our utility assistance, um, uh, providing, providing innovative ideas for dealing with houselessness and how do we do that in a way that is highly effective um, and an efficient use of our monies. Um, I looked at, you know, when I was looking at this, I was looking at the areas and of our strategic outcomes and where we're spending and where we're not. And, um, you know, I see 2% in prosperity and economic security, one of the primary prevention factors for so many things, um, in, including sexual violence. Um, so the sexual violence prevention work group that I'm on is looking at that and pay equity and the intersectionality of equity, sustainability, um, looking at that economic impact of that. I think that there's a lot of room for innovation in the way that the city can be part of that as well. And that doesn't have to be necessarily a budget item, but a way in which we engage that within our community and how are we creating RFPs um, for that when we're looking at those social service fundings as well. Um, I also think about like health equity and looking at how we can have an impact and how we can use our budget to have an impact on that to bring more equity for the 10 year age difference, um, life expectancy difference in in zip code. Um, what are some ways that we can innovatively use our funds for that? Because I know that you all are really thinking about some big ideas um, and I want to know what those are and I want to know what that looks like in the budget. Um, and I, I think that our community deserves to hear about this too. What does that look like? Um, and, and if we can't do it, why can't we? And sometimes that's because it is cost prohibitive, but that's kind of, I'm sorry that I took that question in that area because that's not a thing that I, I think is necessarily ensure be in the budget kind of conversation, but I do want to hear those things and I do want to see them in our budget and, and understand how we can have real impact on those strategic outcomes and, um, then make those hard decisions about what we can and can't do. Mayor Pinkley, I would echo some of that. And um, yeah, my list is longer than Commissioner Bullies. But, <laughs> um, but no, I, I, you know, I, I do think, you know, I take this um, question as Commissioner Nanda did kind of 
along with the federal funding. And, you know, I think, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, areas, and I'll mention a few in a second that we've talked about that I think, um, and Craig used the term earlier, which I've used before too, which is a surge. But if you do a surge now, you might spend more money now to save money later. Um, and this federal funding gives us that chance. So I think, you know, one example of that, that um, we're going to probably hear something about in two weeks, or some of the the changes around the, you know, the possible changes around the way um, our police interact, you know, do, can we surge a, a homeless outreach team, surge more mental health teams, I know the county's working on that, surge, um, you know, some, some funding um, where we create some groups that then over time we can see how that interaction works, um, you know, and then decide all the cost savings after that, as opposed to cutting something here and going there. So I think we have some, some great openings. I think specifically with the homeless, we have that same um, possibility that you know, surging the homeless outreach team to get to those people working on a housing first model, getting them housed, if we can surge that over time, we, we could surge it and then it could go um, back down. Um, so I, I certainly want to look at some of those homeless um, sorts of programs. Um, and then I would, I would add, I mean, I, I think these are somewhat obvious since we've worked on them, but I want to be sure the downtown development, you know, plan that we're going to look at in a few weeks that we have maybe some money to do some of those things. Obviously the economic development plan, we have some new directions. We talked about some very innovative things, for example, with native American incubators, you know, are we going to fund that? Is that something we're going to fund or is that how we're going to make progress on that? So being sure we have some money set aside to implement some of that ED plan as well as the downtown plan. And um, then I know this was mentioned once and something I'm certainly in favor of is setting aside some money to for a new development code for a consultant to, to bring in and do a new development code to align with plan 2040 and and you know get us moving in that direction in a way that we can be ready for um, some of the growth opportunities and the infrastructure opportunities especially if we're going to be doing some of this infrastructure to have that development code in place and finally i would say that along with all these plans infrastructure and otherwise we're going to have the discussion next week i think two weeks about housing not just the homeless issue but housing and that might mean new roads or new water, wastewater to open up some land to build some more houses. I think we need to be sure that is in our CIP or in our plan going forward. And again, some of these things, we have three weeks of more talk leading up to the CIP on the downtown plan, the housing plan, and the police plan. And I think those will all play into what our ultimate budget looks like. Those are a few things I thought of. Mr. Commissioner Bowler, I knew I could rely on my fellow commissioners for some good ideas. Commissioner Larson, um, you know, the idea of the search programs you talked about, um, that's definitely something that is very enticing. Um, one thing I would caution us on is that 
that if you provide some of that surge funding is there's got to be a really clear message that that is a one-time funding because what we all probably have experienced in various budgets is that we provide some one-time funding and then the next year the next year folks come back and say hey wait a minute you cut you cut us um and that's very very hard to um battle against or just to to refute that, that this was a one-time expense. So we need to be very careful about how how we would implement something like that. But I agree that if, if there's something that we can do, especially on the homelessness issue, you know, my um, my thought on that is that I would love to see us more focus on the hard assets aspect of that and to look at buying properties or building um, houses so we, we can actually um, dictate where they're built at, more scattered housing. And I think that's where our strength is, is hard assets. And the wraparound program should be dealt with the experts that we have in our community, which we have a lot of experts. That is not, I think, a city strength, a city function um, or strength. Um, so, you know, that that's kind of where I would go with some of that. Mr. Commissioner Bullock, I appreciate those comments. And, you know, I think we always have to go back to that Venn diagram. You know, if we're not interested in raising taxes, we don't want to have fee increases. We need to make sure that the programs are sustainable. Vice Mayor Shipley, Mayor, I would be remiss and way off brand if I did not, bear with me now, mention sidewalks. Um, if we're going to get the infrastructure money, um, and as, as I think I understand happened here recently, it turned out the section we have prioritized this year is um, up maybe a little over the anticipated budget. I think it would be wise um, to think seriously about how we can use some of those funds for um, sidewalks or a, a different sidewalk program or a more equitable sidewalk program or our own crews, which would save us money um, in outsourcing to um, contractors. Um, so yeah, sidewalks. Mayor Pinkles, I, I, that's on brand for you. That, I, I agree. No, and I think the infrastructure money will be, you know, something we can definitely look at for the, for that, um, for sure. I think that's definitely um, an ongoing battle where money is always needed, so. Greg, what else? What are we missing that you want, anything you want more direction on there? Uh, City Manager Craig Owens, that's very helpful. And like I said, this isn't a one-time thing. So as, as it comes up, we've been listening. Not, I don't think I got surprised by anything that you mentioned there, uh, although it helps us to kind of remember that these are going to be higher priorities. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to paint you into a corner anytime, but um, to some of the extent, some of these are tough questions for you to ask, uh, to ask you at this stage in the abstract. So I appreciate how much uh, you've been willing to give and, and help shape this because it just makes our work later um, when we're trying to take what I recommend to you and make it right for the community uh, at later in the summer. Um, but one of those questions that we didn't put on there that is not nearly as much fun as the one you just had is, you know, are there any service reductions that you would tolerate uh, to the Venn diagram and those realities? Um, some of the new things, uh, if we want to make room for those, there's a way to do that as well. 
but that means that we're going to have to see what kind of uh, tolerance levels there would be for some um, service reductions in some areas or some things that you don't feel like maybe they're as relevant to our community uh, today as they were, were maybe 10, 20, 30 years ago. So those are harder to let go of and they're harder to identify and not as much fun, but those are, those are the same dollars as the ones that you just talked about. Mayor Finkeldy, is this where we make the joke that that's your job to give us yeah. those? Good, <laughs> we luck. Ask Good luck with that <laughs> in July. Uh, no, that's not fair. That's no, not it, fair. It is. It's the reality. Um, but, uh, no, I think that is obviously an important question. And, and I know we've struggled, obviously, with that in the past. And, and you know, level of service is definitely different than, you know, completely eliminating something. I mean, there's some things maybe we decide to eliminate. We don't do that anymore. But level of service is, is always something, you know, to consider. And um, things, I, I think we do have to think about that. Um, any comments on that? Commissioner Ananda, um, I would say that, you know, in looking at any services, um, looking at the impact and who is impacted by those decreases in services is what's going to be important to me um, and, and how that, how that lays across the board. So those, I think more than a list, I can give you factors that I will consider when you bring those. Um, and that would be a major factor that I would consider as well as, you know, just looking at our five priorities, how are those impacted as we're looking at those considerations? I can't say that there aren't any services that I would, I would not be willing to cut. You know, I think that we have to look at all of those factors when we're making those kinds of decisions. Mayor Finkler, I think that's a, a good point. Uh, you know, as as we start to go through the strategic plan and line up funding, it'd be interesting to see it, it, what comes up that just didn't make our strategic plan. I mean, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but though, as, as we go through that funding, there might be a few that pop up as, you know, I mean, maybe it's a mistake and it should be in the strategic plan, but also it could be something that just um, doesn't seem to align anymore. And uh, again, I don't know what that is, but hopefully as you go through this process, you, if you, you'll bring those to us if you see those. Um, I would also add, so I don't forget, I wrote this down. You know, we, we talked about kind of the way we're gonna change outside agency funding possibly to focus on our, um, you know, accomplishing our strategic plan. And to Commissioner Lawson's point, quote, taking away money from people is always hard. I mean, you know, I, I think we need to be, you know, you know, even sending out a letter now or, you know, to some of the people who received funding last year and say, pay attention, this is coming. I mean, there's some of these organizations, I'm not saying they're not going to be funded. I'm just saying there's some organizations that have received funding for the last 20 years or whatever the number is. And if they don't get it next year and they're surprised by it, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I would send multiple letters multiple times. Hey, we're starting the budget process. This is what we're looking at. Stay engaged. And everyone who has an agreement with us, let them know that so that they can be engaged along the way. Um, and again, that maybe it doesn't come to pass, but we'd rather have them 
knowing that from the get-go than being surprised later. Okay, anything else on that item? Danielle, Craig, commissioners? I, Mr. Commissioner Ball, I'd just like to say thank you for all the work that's gone into this. You know, I really believe we're making progress on this stuff and being able to, um, you know, identify where we're spending our money and make sure it aligns with the plan. It's just, you know, it's, it's really a wonderful thing to, you know, I know it's going to be, a, it's a tough transition from what we were doing, but it's so worth doing and I really appreciate the work. So thank you. That brings us to commission items. Any commission items? I guess I would follow up with in the, the conversation from last week on, I know we mentioned it last week about looking at the right of way and maybe, you know, how that, maybe what we charge. But again, some of these issues brought up tonight about, you know, the landscaping otherwise. I know some of you are involved when the right of way went through. Uh, but again, I'd at least be interested in knowing more about that and if indeed there's a way to make it a little more focused on the utilities and, and the, that folks rather than all the private landowners and interested in legal thoughts on that as well as the staffs at some point. Uh, Commissioner Arson, I would concur with that. Um, it would be, I would like to know a little bit more about some of these issues that were raised by the folks who spoke up during the public comment period um, and, and yeah, continue the conversation regarding, you know, charges. Vice Mayor Shipley, um, I agree, uh, but also Mayor, um, uh, we just, uh, staff just glanced a little bit about parking and I have to confess, I'm absolutely, um, chomping at the bit to see the interesting data that they must be getting from the new um, system. And I, I know that it's new and they don't probably have enough to show us yet, but I would love to know when they might have something that they could show us, um, Craig. Uh, just, um, I think it's just gonna be a game changer. It has been in my personal experience so far. So um, I've, I've just, um, it, let us know the next time they've got enough uh, information to share with us. Mayor Finkelai, any other commission items? I agree with that. I think that'll be interesting. Seeing none, that takes us to the city manager's report. Thank you, Mayor. City Manager Craig Owens. Um, I won't go in uh, happy to answer any questions we uh, responded to a couple items here that have come up and um, we have the first quarter budget report and um, are just kind of updating you on some other items that are out there happy to answer any questions that you have mayor Finkel, i i would note that after several not so exciting monthly building permit reports. We had a really nice month in building permits. <laughs> um, that That is nice. And and I know, um, I think, Craig, you were telling me the other day that, that the, the planning department is is busy. Commercial applications are up and, and they are 
seeing a lot of activity. So that is good to see some activity coming coming back. This is Commissioner Bully. Um, I appreciate the information on the audit and also on the update of the systems. Uh, this is really good news. So thanks. And I appreciate the work that finance is doing and, and the folks on the team. Mayor Finkelite, Craig, are we going to go through that presentation on the reports or you just have that for us in your on the financials? Uh, we, we, this is City Manager Craig Owens. We can. I know uh, Jeremy's on here. We can go through whatever you want, but um, happy to do that. It, it's it's self-explanatory, but um, we um, I, I know it's it's something that's important to us. So. Um, Mayor Fingal, I mean, I, I certainly went through it and looked at it. There's a lot of information there. I don't. What What do the other commissioners do you want, Jeremy, to go through the? It's a very nicely color coded report that gives us a lot of information. But, um, or want Jeremy to highlight anything? I, I just I'm asking. I did, this Commissioner Bowley, I didn't have any questions on it, so I'm, I'm cool. This Commissioner Nanda, did we just lose Commissioner Larson? Mayor Finkelbein. Order, can you check on that? I think you're right. Maybe we did. Yeah, I think she, I think she was having some connection trouble, so she dropped off. I would expect we'll see her back as soon as she's able. He really didn't want to hear that financial report. <laughs> I think I'm good as far as the financial report. I mean, we had to look over that to, to have the conversation we had earlier tonight as well. Um, so I, I'm good. Mayor Finkelstein, um, well, as we wait for Commissioner Lawson, maybe we'll just go ahead and open this for public comment, make sure there's no public comment on the um, city manager's report. If any member of the public would like to make a comment on the six items in the city manager's report, please raise your hand using the raise your hand feature, or if you're present, let Sherry know and she'll call upon you. Yeah, Sherry. Porter apparently has my video blocked. He, Chad, he's fixing that. So just give us one. There yes, you thank you. Okay, go ahead if you had comments. There we go. Well, I know you think you know what I'm going to say, but I, but I actually have something different to say. I was curious about the infrastructure spending and whether we could get the underpass in North Lawrence fixed this time. I thought we did this last year when we bought new pumps and put in, and the underpass wasn't supposed to flood when it rained a little bit. Two weeks ago, I believe it was, with a small rainstorm, there was no way through the underpass. For some reason, those pumps that we bought last year and installed didn't seem to get the water out. I don't know if we need larger... Uh, drains in there so that the trash doesn't plug it up and doesn't allow the pumps to get out or what the problem is, but it'd be nice if we could get 
Thank you. Chris Flowers. Hey, this is Chris Flowers. I'm looking at, I guess it's on um, future work sessions and it says T TBD, one of them is long-term residential rental program. And I was just wondering, have we done any kind of Lawrence listens about this? Because I think we need to have some input from um, renters because I maybe I'm wrong, but I don't believe any of you the commissioners are renters and I am completely against this idea of the government coming in against either the landlord or the renter requesting them to come in and, and inspect. And I, I don't think most um, renters would be for that. So I think the city should be reaching out to renters to get their input before do, even doing a work session. I think there should be a Lawrence Listens where at least at the work session, y'all can have that to kind of discuss because I it just doesn't seem like, I don't, I, I don't think we're gonna have that great of input from renters. So I, I'm not I'm not liking the way it's it's looking. Thank you. This is Sherry Reedman, City Clerk. There's no other comment on this item. Mayor Fingal, I thank you, Sherry. We will bring it back to the commission on those items. And then if not, we'll look at the calendar. Any comments on the calendar? Seeing none, last on the agenda is to adjourn. Commissioner Ananda, I move to adjourn. Commissioner Larson, second. Mayor Finkelai, there's a motion by Commissioner Nanda, a second by Commissioner Lawson. Commissioner Nanda? Aye. Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Aye. Commissioner Bully? Aye. Mayor Finkelai? Aye. Passes five to zero. Thank you all. See you next week. <laughs>